When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome along to the Liverpool Echo's Blood Red podcast. For the first time, it feels like a very long time, you join me, Patrick Smith, as I return to the hosting hot seat to talk all things LFC. Now we are slightly delayed in uploading this week, so apologies for that. And to be honest, we're all hoping by the time we record it today, that Alexis McAllister would have been announced by Liverpool. Anyway, alongside me to talk all things Liverpool and Alexis McAllister with Liverpool Echo's LSC correspondent over land and sea, Paul Gorst. How are things, Gorsty? Yeah, not bad. Been a busy couple of days, but uh, not less than we expected, really, wasn't it? Given that Bill was keen to get the business done early, so we're expecting a busy June and a weekend to it. We've uh, we've had one so far. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a very, very busy June, as you say. We'll get into that though later in the pod. We've also got Liverpool FC writer Theo Squires alongside us. Welcome along, Theo. You're right, Pat. Yeah, not too bad. It's nice being back in the hot seat. Very good topic for me today as well. And rounding off the panel, we have Northwest football writer Tom Cavilla. Hi, Tom. Hi, Pat. You okay? Yeah, I'm very good. Well, let's get stuck right in, shall we? Gorsty, I'll come to you first. Now, there's been a lot happening over the past couple of days, to put it lightly, in the Alexis McAllister's Liverpool story. So what's the latest on the situation at the time of recording, at least, I'd say? Yeah, I, he was given his, his, um, was given permission by Brighton to undertake his Liverpool medical yesterday. Um, and we're not expecting too many hitches in the way of, of anything turning up from that. So, um Liverpool were keen to make sure that this deal got done this week before he headed off to international duty to play for Argentina against Australia in China, uh, in Beijing. Uh, that game is on the 15th, so um, Liverpool, to all intents and purposes, wanted to conclude the deal before the end of this week. And where are we now? Wednesday, midday, near enough. And it looks like he will be a Liverpool player confirmed before the end of this week. So, uh, it's just a bit of a waiting game now to see if Liverpool had to go about kind of announcing the deal and how much it's going to be and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, we're expecting it to be, you know, a, a long-term contract as Liverpool call it, which is usually five years. Um, fee somewhere around the forty-five million mark, but there's been a couple of contrasting um, reports on that. Some suggesting fifty-five, some suggesting just before we come on this pod, thirty-five. So we'll wait and see what the actual uh, fears on that one but um, it's a bit of a, a serious serious coup for Liverpool I think in terms of you know we've spoken at length on this podcast for months haven't we about the need for for the midfield rebuild you know whether it's been me Dorian Theo or Tom and Kiefer or whoever else is on the pod that has generally been the, the kind of topic of conversation hasn't it the need to recruit high quality midfielders and um, that has been the case behind the scenes you know Klopp kind of pull the curtain back more and more as the season's gone on, on on the kind of need to recruit and how Liverpool's transfer business works. And he said before the Southampton game that he wanted it all done and dusted as, as close to, as possible as that within six or seven weeks. So uh, what's that? We're less than two weeks, aren't we, now since the season finished and McAllister is set to be announced as a Liverpool player. So 
yeah, it's a significant piece of business, and uh, he's coming in as the prime years in front of him as a 24-year-old World Cup winner who's just been one of the stars of a Brighton team who've just qualified for Europe for the first time in their history. So um, it's a, a major piece of business for Liverpool, I'd, I'd suggest. Yeah, it really is a major, major piece of business. And it's great to see them hopefully get it done so early in the window, as you say there. I mean, you know, we've seen this before. It's arguably one of the worst kept Liverpool transfers of all time. But how crucial do you think it is that they have done this move so early? I mean, he's such a bargain, as Gorty says, for the price as well. It's really impressive and it's a good sign in the early days of Yorkshire Macro, I suppose. Yeah, like Liverpool always want to get their, their business done early. I think Gorty might have done a piece on it or he's at least said it on a podcast in the last couple of weeks. How you compare it to last year, and they had Ramsey, uh, Nunes, and Carvalho in by what was it middle of June, something ridiculous like that. Is how Klopp prefers to do his business. You get them all in for the start of preseason, and then you get the whole summer to work together. Everyone's clued up on your demands. They're all at the same fitness levels. The new players are used to new surroundings, the new teammates, and you're in that best possible place to start the new season. Now, obviously, that didn't quite go to plan last year with injuries and a mid-season World Cup, playing a bit of havoc with the, the dates and when they're reporting back and everything. But this year, it's a, a more straightforward pre-season. It's a more straightforward, traditional start to the new campaign. And you think that puts Liverpool in a good position. And you do want as much of your business done early. Now, the only issue with that is as soon as you've got it all done before pre-season starts, you get to late July and you get an itchy fingers again, wanting another new signing. When you're watching all the rivals uh, bringing in players still because they haven't been as organised as Liverpool Clock won't be like that. He wants the first one done. He'll want the second one, the third one. And we've still got, what, a month before pre-season. They report back for pre-season. So there's a lot of work they can still do in June, along with a few outgoings as well. With regards to the fee, uh, it's a one where it looks like a bargain for Liverpool. But it's not as though they've outmaneuvered Brighton in any way at all. Like McAllister would have been a free agent this summer. Uh, I, I was writing a piece saying, I think back in October, I'd be a great signing for Liverpool because he had a really good start to the season. And just as I was about to submit it, uh, they announced he'd signed a new contract. But it's because of that contract that Liverpool have been able to get him for this this fee. Because I think at the time, there was talk he'd be with 35, 40 million. Um, and it was on the eve of the World Cup. So it's like, well, fine, no distractions on your future. Get you until the end of the season. Then we'll let you go for whatever the release clause is. That, that's good business from Brighton. But they couldn't have predicted that it'd go on to win the World Cup and get them into Europe for the first time in their history. So now it's like, well, that value could have easily been 50, 60 million. And I don't think anyone would have batted an eyelid at that. You'd have thought that was fair. But when Liverpool do need to do three pieces of business, what Enfield really, it, it looks a steal from them. And it just, oh, great, where are they turning to next? If they can get this sort of, sniff this sort of deal out, you'd have faith in them getting some other good deals in as well. So many names that are out there at the moment. So you don't really know where to turn, where to start. But the fact that McAllister is the primary target, he's the one they've wanted since they've withdrawn from Bellingham and they've wasted no time in getting him in. It's good news for everyone. Yeah, I mean, it does feel like an absolute steal, doesn't it? I've seen various, you know, Brighton reporters and Brighton supporters across social media this week been absolutely fuming at the transfer fee because they <laughs> truly believe they can be getting 80, maybe even higher than that for such a player. Another funny thing I saw as well, I think it was Adam Harry tweeted that at 55 million, Alexis McAllister will cost less than the combined production budgets of all the Home Alone films. That's one of my favourite things there on the budget. But I mean, anyway, um, Tom, what do you think Alexis McAllister will bring to the Liverpool midfield specifically? Now, some of the listeners may not be aware of you know, exactly the type of player he is. What can Liverpool fans expect from him on the pitch? I think one of the main things is um, goals, really. I think that's something Liverpool 
you know, well documented have been lacking in midfield. Since Coutinho left, really, they've not really had anyone who's been able to, you know, chip in really with some goals from that area of the pitch. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest things if, um, you know, he comes to Liverpool, just having someone, you know, in that area who can chip in maybe 10, 10 goals a season, which will make a massive difference. I think that's been a problem, you know, in recent times for the Liverpool. We've been relying on the front three a bit too much in terms of coming up with all the goals for the team. You know, we sometimes see Trent popping up with a couple of goals from right back from a free kick. Uh, you know, Van Dijk will come with an occasional header now and again. But, you know, to have someone like that who's capable of, you know, contributing so much from that area, I think that's going to be one of the major pluses of the deal. Um, you know, the fact that he's able to play in, in various positions across midfield is another benefit for Liverpool. Just gives you a bit more versatility in, um, in terms of rotation. But I think, yeah, the goal's going to be the main thing from him. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centres or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a certified goal scorer as well as Nick McFeel. It's something Liverpool have been crying out for maybe in the past couple of seasons since Gini Wijnaldum left. They've not really had an effective goal scorer midfielder to that extent. I mean, Gorsley, Thomas touched on it a bit there. Well, you know, how soon do you reckon you expect... Alexis McAllister to be in a starting role for Liverpool. Do you think he'll come in straight away and be a starter? And what role specifically do you think he'll take in the team? Yeah, I think I think he'll I think he'll go in and, and be a starter straight away. I think Liverpool's midfield kind of deterioration of last season meant that all places were up for grabs. So um, I think at the start of last season, I think everyone might have said they had the first choice Liverpool midfield three, and you know it might have been Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson, or, or whatever it may be. But I think, I think across the course of the season, looking at it now, you, you're looking at it and thinking, I don't actually know what Liverpool's best midfield three would be. So bringing in someone who's just won the World Cup with Argentina and obviously being such a vital part of that Brighton team who won so many plaudits across last season, um, I think he's going to go into the team straight away and, and be a, um, a really valuable piece of, of that new-look midfield. I think he'll probably start on the right of, of the three. I think... Fabinho, for now, you know, while no one else is signed, will continue as the defensive midfielder. And then on the left, you've got maybe a Thiago when he's fit or a Curtis Jones. Um, but I think McAllister will start in there ahead of the likes of um, Henderson and, and Harvey Elliott. Um, he, like, you know, Tom's just touched on there about his goal record. That is kind of better than anyone else in the Liverpool squad from last season. He got 10 goals, didn't he? But I think it was a. Six of them were, were non-penalty goals. That's still more than Elliot, still more than Jones, who, who had a little bit of a flurry towards the end of last season, more than anyone else in that Liverpool team for or Liverpool midfield for goals. And that's not necessarily going to be in the team to be contributing ten to fifteen goals. It's just something else that Liverpool certainly lacked last season. They only had two players who got double figures in the Premier League, and one of them was Roberto Firmino, who's, who's just left. So. Um, Anyone who can score goals in, in this Liverpool team is uh, is a welcome addition, and 
Yeah, I expect them to, to start as, as one of the kind of two number eights, possibly on that right side, um, capable of playing on the left as well. I think he, he played there for Brighton, didn't he? So, um, yeah, a, a versatile midfielder, someone who can play as a number eight, certainly plays as a number 10, maybe less effective as, as a more of a defensive-minded midfielder, but um, someone who's, who's not necessarily got, you know... You know a very obvious skill set in terms of you know you look at Thiago and you, you marvel at his passing range or whatever else, uh, but someone who can do everything to a really high standard, someone who's going to be um, very versatile, very durable and, and available and dependable, and that's something that Liverpool have certainly lacked last season. I think um, he's only missed four games for Brighton uh, through injuries, and one of them was three games through a COVID diagnosis. So, yeah. Someone who's um, going to be available, which is certainly what Liverpool lacked last season when he had so many in- injuries to the midfielders at, at key times. Yeah, I mean, that versatility, I think, is going to be the key word for signings this summer. I mean, we'll move on to further midfield signings throughout this podcast. I mean, as you mentioned there, Ghost, I mean, Liverpool are going to be... The, you know, the challenge of playing in the Champions League and the Premier League is tough, but I think the Europa League is even harder because it's you know Thursday to Sunday, which is arguably harder than... You've got a Tuesday and Saturday, and you often tend to be playing long, long away trips for those matches in the Europa League. But I mean, Theo, just on that, then, you know, Gorsi touched on there, he'll probably start in the right side of midfield. I mean, the Liverpool are going to be versatile this season. Watching that could spell, though, for, you know, Harvey Elliott, a Curtis Jones, a Jordan Henderson, all those players competing for that other midfield spot, let's say, if Thiago and Fabinho are free. I mean, do you think there are going to be some potential outgoings for that right hand side of the midfield? Um, I think it helps to have all these options. Like we saw it when Liverpool nearly went for this quadruple, that they didn't have many injuries and they could rotate between their options. And whether it was Cater, Thiago, Anderson in the midfield, Elliot came in for a couple. And then the front, what was it, five pretty much at the time. You had Jota, Mane still around as well. Because they had those fresh legs, Liverpool, it was the strongest squad they've ever had and it nearly won everything. And that's what they need now in terms of this midfield, like, like we don't really know what formation they're going to do going into the new season. Like, is Trent going to become this inverted right back and that is now his role forever or for a few years at least? Do they make the full switch to midfielder and sign a, a first choice right back? Or now they've got this leg, these legs back in the midfield, can they just go back to basics and he's the right back again and it all works again? It's one where we have to see what the rest of the business is and decide around that and but then the fact that they can do all systems is a good thing. Like the guys have said, you could easily put McAllister in as a six, you could put him as an eight, you could put him as the 10. He can be on the wide right or left if you're in the inverted system. He's actually played games out wide for Brighton, Argentina. He's played as a false nine. That's so versatile. And most of Liverpool's midfield options are. I think only, I think, Thiago, you'd say, doesn't really play more than one position. And he's a player who's probably going to be on the move at the end of the season when his contract expires. But then you've still got so many young players there, like Setic, Elliot, Jones. You'd imagine they're going to bring in at least one more midfielder, if not two. It is that big step in the right direction. And it certainly makes the squad look a lot healthier. Like last year, they had, what was it, five midfielders injured before the transfer window even closed, which is why they had to go for Artemelo. Um, I think 11 senior players played in midfield at some point or another over the season. And you could make that total even more if you include a Trent, a Gakpo, a Firmino, who did do the odd game a little bit deeper. Well, if you've got all these options there who can do the roles, and it's not just putting them there because people are injured, everyone's going to be fresher. And you've got that increased competition, so players are actually 
fighting a bit more to get in that starting 11. I, I agree with Gorsi. I think McAllister goes straight into the starting 11 as things stand. Um, I, I'd also agree that he probably takes Henderson's place, but then this is recency argument, isn't it? This is what we're going off, what we saw at the end of the season where Jones was playing so well, but Fabinho was getting back to his form. It's a different story if, say, Thiago was back fully fit and he's straight in there, or they go and sign two, three more midfielders who are really good and you go, oh, they can mistake a claim depending on what happens in pre-season. But you don't want to be predictable. You want to Jürgen Klopp to be able to go between a few formations, go between a few players and not having a clue what he's going to select. Because if us watching this team every week don't have a clue, then the opposing teams aren't going to either. And that puts Liverpool in a better position to compete for trophies, to compete to get in the top four, maybe go for Premier League titles again. And it's something as well with Europa League. You need that rotation to keep everyone fit, everyone fresh. Yeah, I mean, that competition for midfield players as well is so important, isn't it? Because it does work Liverpool better when, you know, no, not even the journalists, not even the players may know who's going to be starting week and week out. I mean, it can be so important for bringing the best out of those midfield players. I mean, just to go slightly off piece for a minute, Tom, we've been talking about the midfield, but Theo mentioned there the right-back situation now. Liverpool are going to be rotating a lot next season. Trent's obviously in this new role, in this new system. Do you think Liverpool need to sign another backup right back to play a more orthodox role when they do say rotate and have to drop Trent for the odd maybe Europa League League Cup match? I mean, how do you think they'll go about the situation at right back? I think it, yeah, it's a difficult one. It probably would make sense to buy one because I just with Calvin Ramsey, I'm not too sure what their plan is for him this season in terms of whether he, you know, would get loaned out if he's obviously fit in time for the new season. Or if he's just going to be kept around and used, you know, as a potential option um, in games. I guess that it kind of just depends on where they stand with him in terms of if they think he's ready or not. You've obviously got Connor, Bla- um, Connor Bradley coming back from his loan as well, so that's another option. You know, I'd be tempted to give Bradley a go just to see, you know, how he'd get on playing the occasional game. But I have the feeling that they go and sign right back potentially as cover for Trent because I think. I don't see him going back to him playing there permanently as a right back. I think he might be used a bit further forward again next season. So I think if if you were going to do that, it probably makes sense to get a, a new right back in. You know, it doesn't have to be a fifty million pound right back. It, it could be you know a cheaper option, ten twenty million, um, just someone you know who can fill in there. And you know they're going to be able to do a job rather than having to you know switch players into different positions like playing Simicass on the other side or. Or having to move Joe Gomez there, um, you know Gomez is another option again, but it's just whether you know moving to right back they think that's the best thing for him going forward or not. Probably not ideal to be doing that. You know he's, he's never done that bad when he's played there, but it, obviously it's not his natural position. So I, I think I would I would look to get one in if it's if it's possible. Yeah, give us a name, Tom. Max Aaron's homegrown player. That was <laughs> on the podcast before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is an interesting, wasn't it, with these, you know, almost two 11s they may well have to form with the new, you know, system they've adopted with the first team with trend inverting. It's sort of similar to how Manchester City, when they, you know, rotate to Carl Walker playing, often plays as more orthodox right back. No Liverpool, maybe not someone that good, but someone who can play that more orthodox style when they rotate their side. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Anyway, Gorsty, let's bring it back around to the midfield then, shall we? I mean, what's, what do you think comes next then? I mean, what do Liverpool also need to add to the midfield? Any you know specific position, any players you think they should have their eye Yeah, I think a, a um, Fabinho replacement. Uh, I'm not 
I'm not as sold on people who, who as, as some people who think that he's turned it all around and, and he's back to the way he was two, three years ago. I do think there's been a significant drop off from him um, to the point where if Liverpool could, could upgrade on him, I'd certainly be looking to do that. Um, same goes for Jordan Henderson. Thiago's a little bit of a special case in that he's such a unique, um, world-class player when he's fit and available and ready, but you can't rely on him too much. So maybe he falls into the category of a bit of a luxury player next season, someone who um, his minutes are going to be managed and he's going to be in the team less by design more than through injury uh, luck or, or bad luck. But certainly, <clears throat> you know, a, a new defensive midfielder would, would be my... Um, my next port of call of ours, George Schmacker, and, and I was obviously in Liverpool's transfer business. Um, but I still Do you not think, think with Stefan Bicetic coming through, Gorsi, you not think he could be the potential for being a replacement? Do you need to yeah, sign someone there? Or? Possibly, but um, he's, he's only 18, isn't he? And we've seen that, you know, he only, he only completed 90 minutes once, and then, you know, he was injured for the season because of the kind of demands that that are there for the senior Liverpool midfielders. I think Klopp said that he's a, he's a man who he plays like a man, but unfortunately he's still got a boy's body and that's why he did eventually break down and that's why we saw him tired so often in, in those games that he, that he was playing. It gets to like the 70-minute mark when you, and you could visibly see he was shattered and, and he'd more often than not he'd be brought off. He's certainly going to be part of the first-team squad next season, but um, I don't think he's ready to, to be playing 30, 35 Premier League games as a defensive midfielder next season. So that that'd be my protocol, but um, yeah, I just think generally Liverpool need to replenish that midfield again. You know, one McAllister getting him in is great, but um, you know we've seen the kind of the decline, haven't we, of the midfield in in the last twelve months, and certainly losing Milner and Oxley Chamberlain and Cater to a lesser extent means the the, the short of numbers in there as well. So um, yeah, well we'll see, but yet it's kind of. Um, become a first team next season. I still think Liverpool need to uh, bring in another one, maybe even two midfielders. And uh, if I had my way, it'd be a uh, kind of commanding defensive midfielder. Yeah, I think most people would be in agreement that they need definitely a couple more. And, you know, holding someone who can play more defensively would be at the top of the list. I mean, Sarah, what's your take on it? I mean, do you think they need to be signing, you know, two or three more midfielders? How many exactly do you think they need to, you know, replenish the numbers, as Gorsty says? Um, I, th- I think they needed three at the start of the summer, so let's call that two now with McAllister coming in. And you needed that all-round package between them. Like we've been having this debate a few times in the summer of what counts as a, a good summer. Like you say, if they wanted Conor Gallagher or someone like that, a lesser midfielder, if we want to call them a lesser midfielder, that's fine. If they're your third choice, if they're someone who's going to be that that squad option, like Oxley Chamberlain was. And he came in the first time and you've signed McAllister and someone else who's top-notch quality. It can be a starting option. It just depends what they can get. They need players that can complement each other. They can do a bit of everything that are available. We've got midfielders that can score goals, midfielders that can set up goals. You need that enforcer so you're not playing Fabinho every time. I think Klopp said, was it last year, when he was sort of alluding to Bellingham, that you want that, um, was it, the cow that does all... I can't even... What was the saying, Gorsi? You know, the cow that does every sort of milk. Or, oh, the cow that's producing everything. everything. The golden cow that's producing everything. That's the one. <laughs> but that was basically this box to box midfielder that is six foot two, six foot three, six foot four, wins headers, can score from 25 yards, uh, can do the perfect three balls, can run all day, 
can yeah basically do everything. Now, realistically, you're not going to get a player that does absolutely everything, but you need three midfielders that between them can do absolutely everything. McAllister's a step in the right direction, but it's just players that can complement him that make that perfect trio. It's what made the Liverpool midfield so effective a few years ago with, like, say, with Aldem, Fabinho and Henderson. Like, yeah, Henderson, who's good on the ball, he can run all day. When Aldem was great retaining the ball, he was also good for a goal. And then you had Fabinho just won everything back. They need more, I suppose, a bit more quality in there, a bit more guile on the ball as well. And that's the step we're taking in with going for McAllister. But it needs to be that perfect combination with field three. Yeah, could not agree. I mean, you know, you talk of combination. I think the main thing for me is they need to get some more runners in there because there's been so many times this season where you look at the physical metrics of midfield battles and matches and Liverpool have been outrun, outjumped, outbattled, outchallenged. You know, other teams have more interceptions. I mean, just on that then, Tom, I mean, you know, I think it's Kefren Taram and Manu Kone were both spotted together yesterday on social media. Some Liverpool fans jokingly took to social media to claim it was Bold Street in Liverpool. I mean, you know, do you think there's any case where Liverpool could sign both those players or someone? Do you think... You know, Taram or Kone could be the sort of profile they need to be looking at for the midfield to bring in some physicality and some legs for balance, as Theo says. Yeah, I think, like you said, we've seen it at times quite a lot last season, just gone. You know, Liverpool just getting out-muscled in midfield, losing the ball too easily, not being able to win it back. So, yeah, if they were able to add them to the squad, it, it probably would be the sort of players they need, so a, bit, a bit younger, a bit more physical. Um you know, with Henderson and Fabinho now getting older, it was a lot more noticeable last season, particularly as it went on. Um, and that's why we saw the emergence of Besetic and other players, you know, Harvey Elliott, Jones getting more chances. So I don't necessarily think it has to be those two or nothing, but it needs to be players of that age, a younger age, um, coming into the midfield to just give it a bit more energy because that was the big thing it's been lacking. So even if they were only to sign one of them, I think that would still be good business. You know, if they get two, I think it's probably a bit unlikely. But yeah, I would say if they got one of those through, they'd be happy with that. Personally, I don't think they'd be getting both. No. Like the players that haven't played in the Premier League before, they're both 21. Like the whole point of this Liverpool midfield revamp is getting a new starting midfield. So whether that's yeah. players with Premier League experience or players at the peak of their powers, like very well get one that is going to get better with the squad, that can be that successor in a couple of years' time when Thiago, Fabinho and Henderson have taken that next step. But what we've seen this season is they have like those starters now. Like We've seen glimpses from Jones, Elliot, Pesetic, but realistically, Jones maybe has an outside chance of being a regular starter for Liverpool next year if he builds on what he's done. What you're expecting him to bring in is players to make that start in midfield, with then the third one being a backup. You can't have two players who haven't got that experience who are that young just Liverpool need immediate results. It's not the case of where they were two, three years ago, where they were winning everything and they could make those next generation signings and have this gradual succession. They need to get straight back to the top level now and that needs instant impact from these signings. I'd love to see Liverpool stay at the negotiating table with Brighton for Moises Caicedo next. We've seen him a couple of times last season. I mean, he's, he's almost a one-man midfield. And then... He started playing right back, and and he was just as influential at right back for Brighton in the closing stages of last season. He looks like a fabulous player. Him, he's only twenty one, is he? Um, yeah, very young. Yeah, the, those 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 um those links that Brighton have with South America are, are really interesting, I think. And 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 Cicho's another one, isn't he? You know, I think he's from Paraguay. The 
he just seemed to have the right people in the right places in that area of the world to, to bring to the next stars. And McAllister clearly is ready for the next step. And, and so is Caicedo, according to his manager, Roberto De Zerbi. Um, I'd, la- I'd love to see him, but I'm not sure whether um, whether Liverpool will be pestering Brighton any further once they've got McAllister out of out of their hands. Liverpool love a South Coast sun, don't they? They built <laughs> yeah, a success yeah. last time. Let's do it again. Yeah, I mean, just to stay with you, on Caicedo, you know, you say you'd love to see him signed as midfielder. Do you think he can also be signed as, you know, a, a number six midfielder, but then also he could potentially slot into that Chant Alexander-Arnold role in the Liverpool system, meaning they wouldn't have to change that much when they rotate, would they? Because you've seen him play at right-back this season. Do you think that could even be a possibility? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's, he's anywhere near as, as influential as Trent in possession on the ball. But, you know, it, it'd certainly be an option as a right-back if, if, you know, Liverpool wanted to just flat-out play Alexander Arnold as a midfielder, you know, at the moment he's still officially a right back, isn't he? Uh, obviously, that changes a lot when Liverpool are in possession and the shape of the team switches and changes and whatever else. But, uh, you know, officially starting the game at right back. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would. I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to see Kai say that. We haven't seen too much of Kefren Taran, but he looks like a, our, um, a really strong physical midfielder, the, the likes of which I'd like to see at Liverpool this summer. But I, I've seen enough of him to. To say either way, you know, to, to give me opinion on it. Um, same with Manu Kone. Um, but what I have seen of of Kaisei, though, he, he looks purpose built for the Premier League, and um, I, I'm, you know, I, I might be asking a little bit too much, but uh, I would love to see him next to the door. Yeah, man, no, couldn't agree more. I think that's the profile of player that needs someone, you know, very physical, a runner, someone to bring back some energy to that gagging pressing midfield like the likes of Cassidy or Tram. But anyway, we'll wrap that one up there. Who knows, by the time you're listening to this, listeners, Liverpool may well have announced Alexis McAllister as their first signing of the summer. But keep your eyes peeled across the Echo website and socials for all the latest on Liverpool's transfers this summer. Of course, with Paul Gorst, Theo Squires and Tom Cavilla providing all the brilliant coverage you need. Whilst, of course, everyone... Make sure you subscribe to Blood Red on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts from because we'll bring you all the latest as well as our daily content to bring your LSE fix through this summer. But for now, for myself, Patrick Smith, Paul Gold, Theo Squires and Tom Cavilla, thank you so much for joining us on this delayed edition of the Blood Red podcast. We'll catch you again on Friday. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.